The vote for a new airport terminal in Kansas City. What the hell just happened? You're on Deep Background. And joining me now to talk about the airport vote are two of the reporters who have covered it for the star and can explain what actually went on Tuesday so that we can all understand it. My friend Bill Turk, uh, who covers City Hall, and Steve Vokrot with the star. Thanks for being here. Well, Bill, you, you've been downtown for the news conference, the post-election news conference. Tell us what uh, the city is saying about yesterday's vote. Well, I think that what they're saying now is they're trying to tilt the story ahead to to what's, what's going to happen next. Uh, there'll be a memorandum of understanding, hopefully before the council by the end of the month. Uh, and federal environmental approvals will take six to nine months. So the bottom line is it's going to be probably late summer before they even start demolishing uh, Terminal A. Politically, I think that they had a million seven to spend on on this campaign and when, and an opposition that never got any traction. I right. mean, I think that's that's the nut of it. And the fact that there was no tax increase involved just sort of took the legs right out from were there, the opposition. Were, were, I assume there were all smiles at City Hall today. I mean, did you oh, get yeah. a sense of some relief or so give it oh, to yeah. some? Oh, yeah. No, everybody was, uh, you know, everyone was taking victory laps and, you know, the count, various council people took turns talking about the great wisdom that they had. The people <laughs> they had or that, they had, that <laughs> voters had. No one was prepared for how big this would be. Well, that's right, Steve. No one knew that it would be a three-to-one vote. Yeah, I mean, maybe somebody did and they weren't saying it. But, uh, you know, my <laughs> sense is, is that, you know, I, I kind of figured going into it, best-case scenario, 60 40 was sort of the ceiling but of 40, course 55 45 was the common idea maybe yeah right around one. there and, and they would take 10 points i mean you, you win by 10 and you're out oh you're certainly not. certainly um you know I, if if somebody was saying that they they that they knew there would be 75 25 that would, you know no. uh that would be pretty incredible why was it 75 25 you know that's that's a great question i one of the things I'm following up on, and I think, you know, the politicians will, you know, bathe and bask in the you know, credit of all of this, but I think the role of the business community should not go uh, unstated or understated. I think the work that organizations like the Platte County EDC, uh, the Northland Chamber, the KCADC, the Chamber of Commerce, and they did a lot of work starting in about, you know, April of last year to ask themselves, look, why can't we get more people convinced about the, the merits of this thing? And they talked to rotary groups. They talked to neighborhood groups. They talked to companies. I mean, Joe Reardon went out to Leavenworth. They, went, they even went out to places where people couldn't even vote. Right. And I think the strategy there was get the whole region the best they can on board with this with the knowledge of if you're in Leavenworth, if you're in Riverside, if you're in Platte City, you probably know somebody in KCMO. And you can maybe talk them into um, uh, talk them into the merits of this thing, and it it did take on kind of a grassroots feel, um, which you don't often see from business communities. Um, but I think it may be the roadmap to you know the civic community starting to get more of what it wants out of right. the voting. And it's public. not just we talk about the chamber and KCADC and the Northland Chamber or whatever. I also got the sense there was a push on the sort of company level 
the Cerners, the law firms, you know, Hallmark, Burns and McDonald, big employers, at that level sort of encouraging their employees to step up, particularly the ones that fly a lot. You know, this is the idea is, hey, we're, we're flying all the time. This is a crummy airport. Did think, that play a role? I think absolutely it played a role. Uh, I, I think the other thing that you have to look at is, it's quite ironic, but I think Burns and McDonnell in many ways uh, helped prepare the ground for this, both by you know this paid media campaign that they did when they were competing. For as the, strange as were, it might have been. <laughs> yeah, as strange as it might have been, it did elevate the civic conversation about the airport from, you know, should we do this to how do we do this? And uh, a lot of people at City Hall this morning were, you know, were, were paying credit yeah. to Burns and McDonald's. Is it possible, though, that we all misunderstood, even six months ago, how much support there was for a new terminal? I mean, you, it, the common wisdom was, oh, it's 38, 39 percent, whatever number you want to use a year ago. Uh, it would be, I've been covering politics for 40 years, it would be a shock beyond belief to go from 38 approval to 75% approval over a 12-month period. You know, even with the best campaign you can imagine, you don't add 40 points of approval in 12 months. So my guess is the assumption that people didn't want a new airport was overblown, that there was more support for a new terminal than we knew. Do you think that's right? I think that people's views of this were more complicated and more nuanced than anybody yes. thought that there was this deep attachment and fondness for for the existing airport but there was also at the same time you know a, a feeling that yeah well maybe it's time yeah and bill mentioned uh, steve the lack of opposition and mm -hmm. we'll come back to the spending on the pro side in a minute. But it is true that the usual suspects sort of surfered, surfaced Dan Coffey with the Citizens for Responsible Government and some of the other blog sites. And But, right. boy, you never got a sense of any momentum. And, that boy, that was really played out yesterday. I mean, when you lose by 50 points, that that's really a sign that no one was out making another argument on the other side. No, there wasn't. And, you know, there was no taxes attached to it. That, that's, so, that's key, too. Right. So, so really, you're, you, you end up writing on a platform if the, to the extent that you can have one on really a couple of things. You know, can we trust City Hall to get this right? Or, you know, the, the, the current terminal is so convenient. Why would you want a new one? And, you know, I think Bill's right. I think people's feelings on this could be more... Uh, uh, there, there might be more gray in this than we gave, uh, the, or the, than, than, than we understood going Than we in. understood. I mean, yeah, people might think it's really convenient, might think it's really helpful, but they also might be totally open to the idea of a, yeah. of, of a new terminal. But, I mean, you talked a lot, and I think last week even, about how we're in sort of this echo chamber. Right. And, we, and yet the echo chamber was inaccurate on the, you know, plus side. I mean, it was, yes. we didn't, so you never did get a sense that, that there was this overwhelming support for a new airport, and then that's what I think all surprised us all that night. I think the other factor here is, and this will have some importance going into 2019, uh, is the shifting nature of the Northland and how the Northland's uh, image as sort of a reflexive, no Republican, anti-tax, yeah. things like this is starting to shift for reasons that we don't completely have our arms around yet, except that there is an influx of new families. 
coming in instead of maybe buying a house in Johnson County, they're buying in the Northland, and they don't carry that same legacy sort of feeling of you right. know, look at us, we don't you know we always get a raw deal. And we saw Land. that on the uh, the Go Bond yeah. issue in April. I mean, this, we were all surprised at how well it did. How well that did north of the river, and you know, again this time two to one in favor of a new airport. That's uh, you were tweeting this out last night. That's, and I think you were too, Bill. That this was just un, you know, unfathomable in a way. It was over. I mean, this thing was over very early in the yeah. night. I mean, I got the sense even after three precincts were reporting in Clay County, it's like this thing yeah, it's is two to this, one. This this thing is cooked. Uh, you know, we're this the new terminal is going to happen. I think one of the things that really took a lot of the air out of any p- potential opposition is an approach that the aviation department in particular took, I think over the last year that was markedly different than in the past. I mean, we all recall, you know, sort of the former uh uh, aviation director who said, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to Whether you want to do it or not. Yeah, yeah. kind of given this vibe of, you know, look, this is going to happen. You people need to get over it. And I think there was a lot less of a reflexive uh, feeling of, hey, is this thing really a good deal? I felt like the arguments coming out of the aviation department this time around were a lot more rational, were a lot more uh, grounded in reality. Um, and, and I think that, you know, we, we Dan Fowler had a quote to this effect that we had in the paper today. But, you know, when you when you give people the facts and you give them some straight talk, you're going to get people to really think about and consider your point of view. If they really feel like they're you're trying to sell them something and you're doing this sort of sky is falling approach about EPA mandates and security problems and things like that, then people start to wonder, what are they trying to push push on us? And you really didn't have that this time around. And I think that really played a key role in you know, really stopping any real opposition. My, my own theory, too, is that the selection of Edgemore really changed the conversation a little bit, too, because I, I do think that there was, you know, in retrospect, there was not as much attention paid to this flawed, you know, admittedly flawed, chaotic process as we may have thought at the time, because I don't think people obsessed with what, you know, such and such a committee is doing. However, I do think there was a general sense that the Burns and Mac original proposal in May smelled a little fishy one way or the other. And the selection of Edgemore really took that completely off the table. I mean, it really, the, any suggestion of mayoral interference or, or influence peddling or any of the other stuff, once they picked Edgemore, you, you got AECOM out of the picture at least before the uh, election, and they were kind of cranky <laughs> all summer, and so you didn't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. And Burns and Mac, interestingly, did not uh, file suit, did not do all the things that we, I think some of us anticipated they might, and in fact ended up contributing to the campaign and may play a role in the airport even now. But don't but do you agree, Bill, that that the Edgemore selection really then moved it into a merit-based discussion rather than a the fixes in, you know, it helped change the chaos. complete. It, yes. it helped change the overall narrative. If they had gone ahead and selected Burns and McDonald through this bidding process, you're right. People would have said, "This is a put-up deal. This is right. the fixes in." Or if they had not done bids at all, you know, originally in May, they would. The idea was, let's get the MOU through by the end of May, first of June, and that would have been a huge issue, I think, going forward. Now, when you win three to one. You know, maybe there's so much enthusiasm that could have been overcome, but it would have, I think, been much closer if it hadn't been Edgemore. I think you know. Well, what about the campaign? What role did the campaign play, do you think? Well, you know, you drop a million seven into a race where uh, it's going to be a low turnout and where there is no real opposition. 
Single I, issue on the ballot. Single issue. I, I think they, they were able um, to very analytically, with all the tools that are now available, the campaigns really identify their vote in, their, in a very methodic way and, and, and get it to the polls. They also tailored a lot of their messaging in terms of the literature they were hanging, handing out and the door-to-door canvassing to two areas of the city. Up north, they talked about fiscal responsibility and how, you know, throwing $500 million in to this airport was not responsible. In districts four and six, it was more, let's keep the momentum going. Uh, and and uh, two and three, I mean, district three and five, it was more jobs, jobs right. transformational economic right. opportunity. They were smart about all of that. So that was, um, yeah, they, they, they kind of knew what they were doing. And yet we also got the sense, even though the turnout, I think, turned out higher than any of us anticipated, that there was a conscious effort to keep things a little bit below the radar publicly so that there wasn't, that you didn't really excite the other side to come out and vote no. Did we see that or do you, do, oh, were yeah. they out there more than we, I mean, I mean, people talked about the TV ads. I didn't, they spent a lot of money on it, six, seven hundred thousand dollars but I don't know what effect TV ads really have anymore, frankly, and I didn't see that much. It didn't seem like, you know, let's get Kansas City going campaign. I think the real work on this was really was done at the grassroots level, and it was night after night, people going out. And it was business groups. groups. It was the chamber, groups. and it was, yes, the, yeah. the Kiwanis will have you out, and, the you know, the, the optimists or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I should say that by the last 10 days, they knew they were sitting – Sitting on a blowout because uh, they had a, a poll ten days out. I re- I learned last night that had them up sixty one twenty nine. So they they were very quiet about that. Yes, yes. Uh, Overconfidence so is not a good thing. Yeah, and but they knew. I think they knew that they had they had this thing in pretty good shape. You have to look through this at this a little bit through the lens of Kansas City politics, Steve, and uh mayoral politics particularly and we know that jolie justice is almost certainly going to be a candidate and she was at front and center who are the can you identify who sort of the winners are uh politically out of this uh this decision if there are any sure uh, certainly jolie justice gets a big boost out of this um you know she was front and center uh, probably more than any other council person on this uh you know she chaired the airport committee um you know and as I pointed out last night, you know, she really kind of stood in front of the cameras and the microphones when parts of this whole process were not going well, and right. she never really backed down from it. You but know? she did back away from Mayor James, which I think is fascinating. I mean, in May, when they revealed this thing, she was sitting right next to him in the editorial board, and she was the big cheerleader for Burns and Mac. Yet she didn't get much blame at all when that began to melt down, which I think is just fascinating and, and very astute politically. Maybe. Well, part of that is when you do stand up for the tough questions rather than run away, you you, you know you don't you don't get quite as much of that uh, uh, dust falling on you from when the process goes bad. You know, Jermaine Reed was out there uh, as well as. Uh, uh, since he had a role in the selection committee, you know, there's a lot of speculation. Does Quentin Lucas run for for mayor? Catherine Shields, and you will recall that they were certainly skeptic, skeptics of the process. She, Shields, particularly, yeah, and, 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 and Quentin too. And, and they can come out and make a persuasive claim in a mayoral campaign that says, "Hey, look, we insisted on a good process. We think we can pinpoint amount of money that the city saved as a result of some of the questions we were asking." You know, and 
sort of burnish this good government type. So, you know, I think politically those are, uh, you know, those are probably your clear But winners. Scott Taylor, Scott, some of the other people, Bill, did, did they come out of this process looking good or not so much? I think this was such a resounding success that everyone is going to be able in one way or another to, to bask in the glory. To bask in the glory, with a couple of exceptions. I talked to Teresa Lohr this morning, and I, <laughs> who was manifestly unenthusiastic about this and said she would vote for this. You know, she voted for the, um, uh, the ordinance a couple of months ago, even though she said right. her constituents were against it. Well, I asked her, don't you feel a little out of touch with your constituents this morning? She said, oh, no, no. This was because it was a low turnout. And, and it was That's really, just silly. Really, I, I mean, know. the reality <laughs> is the message could not be clearer. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not, it isn't a 10-point victory with a 10-point turnout. I mean, this is, uh-huh. this is something else. Yeah, I mean, 60, and particularly north of the river. I mean, her right, district. Uh-huh. Right. I mean, 66,000 people turned out for this. That's a pretty good sample size. But in, in Kansas City, in uh, it's more than voted in the last mayoral election. Right, so uh, there was great interest. What about Sly James? What, what do we now take about, we'll learn about Sly James? Well, I think even though he has 19 months left, uh, this is clearly a, a capstone event for him. Uh, this is the legacy. Uh, this is what he will be known for. I mean, 2017 will be sort of that year of him with the go bonds and the east uh-huh. side tax. And right. Does he, uh, you know, the, the, there will be an argument, Bill, I think, in this community for years about whether he helped the airport or hurt it or potentially hurt it. What's your own view? Oh, I think he I, I think he helped it. I, I think he he was he's been pretty single minded about getting a single terminal out there for his entire tenure. And and yet it didn't unfold the way he you know, the, the going back even. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to put it out. No, we're not going to put it out. We don't have support. Mm-hmm. Now the business community, here comes Burns and Mac. There was a meandering I mean, it did road. not, in, right, yeah. the, there was no sense mm-hmm. that he sat down and said, this is what we'll do in this order, and that it happened that way. The question is how much uh, political capital he accrues from this and, and what he can do with it going forward before the political season really starts to set in and he truly does become right. a lame duck. And that, right. that's kind of not clear yet. Did, did you have any sense from his meeting with reporters today that he sees another step, more momentum, other things that he wants to do in the next year, or is this it? He spoke about the basically the list that everybody knows about, the, you know, the Broadway Bridge. Right. Uh, the, know, have the sales tax for capital improvements, which I think comes up next year. Violence, yeah. uh, you know, the homicide level. Um, he talked about third grade reading. I, it's, it's basically his program. The question is how much he'll be able to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. What, what's your own view of the Sly James role in all of this? So yeah, there's about. a couple things, you know, to, to, to know about Sly James and these some of these big picture things that he's pursued. Uh, and and they, they tend to follow a pattern of, you know, they're big ideas. Some of them have been ideas that have lingered around that other administrations have not been able to accomplish. So we let's think about things like the streetcar and the convention hotel and the airport, just to use those three as examples. The process in those has never been particularly smooth. They've been long. They've been protracted. They've involved some embarrassment, some setbacks. But two steps the, up, one step back. Exactly. Or, you know, at some, some points, two steps forward, two and a half steps back. <laughs> um, but in the end... 
you know, they 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 pushed the boulder over the hill on those on those issues, and it wasn't always pretty. Um, and local government rarely is, but you know, some of these things were particularly bumpy. But in the end, they got done. And so, um, you know, 20 years from now, people don't remember the process quite as much as uh, the monuments that stand right. in their place. Right. And and just to be clear, and fairly or unfairly. We tend to judge mayors by the concrete built around them. I mean, we don't talk about murder rates so much. Did you give us Bartle Hall? Did you give us downtown, which is what Kay Barnes is remembered for? And certainly Sly James will be remembered for the airport because a lot of this will fade away. Uh, On the other hand, uh, you know, I, I do think that anyone who tries, any future mayor who tries to replicate this sort of you know, two steps forward, one step back approach, is asking for trouble. Do you, do you think that's right? That 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 it you know this, the way the airport happened, turned out great, but boy, it was sure a struggle to get here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you certainly want to see good government. You certainly want to see um, processes that play out with uh, through, you know, norms that we would expect out of. Uh, a smart government and good government you know would, would would this thing have been great if it turned out to be a no bid deal well i don't think any i don't think many people would argue that that would be a good right. precedent to set right. and, um, and i mean just to be clear we had an ethics a potential ethics you know the mayor threatened fellow council members troy schulte almost quit in the middle of the process right. two weeks before election day i mean it isn't it, it wasn't the waters were not smooth as glass leading up to this vote but in the end, Bill, it didn't seem to matter. It didn't seem to matter to voters at all. I mean, this really was an endorsement of City Hall if it was nothing else, because the trust issue was clearly, at least one of the arguments on the other side was, we can't give them a blank check. And the voters said, yeah, we, I think we can. I think it just it goes back to um, the ability of, of this particular pool of voters to, you know, compartmentalize what what's going on you had the political noise over here and you know more ruckus over there right and james you know doing his form of theater but they stayed pretty focused on the, on the, on the and, and just to question. we're almost out of time but to wrap it up there was also a merits-based argument i mean i did get the sense last night that a lot of people who voted yes use the airport <laughs> yeah. and they're just they're, they just don't like the airport the way it is yeah and you can have two things at the same time you could be you know appalled by the process but you can also see you can you can the need you can put that aside and just pull the lever for the yes and, and, and as you and i discussed you know, one of the models I always try to use is what happens when you roll out of bed Tuesday morning if you're still undecided. And my guess is that people who don't use the airport, who might vaguely be against it, just decided not much was at stake. There's no tax money involved. I'm not. Yeah. So why, why do I need to even go out and vote? Whereas the yes side had the enthusiasm of new terminal, all the other things that go with it. So, all right, Bill, as we wrap up, what's next? I mean, you talked about a little bit at the top. Where, where do we go from here? We, we're we not going to fly out of the new glass terminal next year, obviously. No, and, and if, if past is prologue, I'm sure there'll be, you know, a few mini dramas along the way. <laughs> uh, we need an MOU, don't we? And that may be the first yep. dramatic moment. Yeah, it, it's supposed to go to the council on November 30th, and I'm sure there'll be a vigorous debate and 
the you know the questions about community benefits will be you know closely vetted. Did you talk to the Edgemore people last night? I know I saw Jeff Stricker was there and briefly. Yeah, and and they said they. Jeff said basically what what uh, they the city said this morning, which is they expected to have an MOU before the council at the end of the month, yeah. and uh, that they're looking for, you know, starting to demolish, or you know, in in late uh, late two thousand. Do we know anything more? And Steve, maybe you want to weigh in. Do we know anything more about the financing model? Are they going to go to the market in the next ninety days, or is it private placement? Is, is any of that clear? Be, it's going to be a. It, Sometime next year, they're going to wait um, surprisingly long, I, but it's going to be sometime in the middle of next year. Before they actually start drawing down whatever money they can. It'll it'll be some combination of private equity and conduit um, bonds. But I think we don't a lot know of the it, conduit vehicle yet, whether it's ATA or Port I think a lot of it is going to depend on really on the economic conditions. Uh, and I, I had a conversation with the airport guys election day, or maybe it was Monday, they're now thinking it's closer to 5% and not 3% to borrow. I mean, I think we were all working on a 3, 3.5, three maybe even 4% model, but interest rates are going up. So, Yeah. Um, I think in an ideal world, you'd want to close as soon as possible, mm-hmm. given the yeah. uncertainty over the next year. And, but, you, uh, and what are the airlines telling us? Are they – do they want to – I mean, I assume they want to get some – you know, ink on some paper somewhere so that they can have a certainty, a little bit more certainty mm-hmm. than they have now. Mm-hmm. Probably, but they just have to let the process play out. I yeah. mean, the, you know, were the, they the, there the, last night? I mean, did they? They may have been. They, I didn't recognize them. When they go, when we look back on this campaign, the absence of the airlines as a as a prominent feature of the campaign, I think, will seem unusual. And we never really heard from them, did we, except for the one yeah, we thing start, at KCA at the end? I mean, we heard from them a few times. I mean, they weighed in at one point and said, you know, our, we prefer Burns and McDonald, and then that was irrelevant in the end. Um, but, you know, I think Southwest, which is the dominant airline, was pretty supportive of what the city was right. trying to do. And, and Maybe their and, silence was the most important thing at all when people start talking about airlines wanted. They never came out and said, no, this isn't what we want. Right. But they're, they were clearly they're, a driver of this. Behind the scenes, they remain you know, a very powerful player. They call the tune in many ways, right. uh, as we all As discovered. you would expect them yeah. to do. I mean, they're the right. clients, obviously. Out right. There. They're going to they're gonna bolster this whatever debt is, is generated by this. Well, we will find that out in the months to come. Mm-hmm. Steve Bockrott with the Star, Bill Turk with the Star, thanks for, uh, so much for joining us. And thanks uh, to all our listeners who have weathered six months of discussions about the uh, Kansas City International Airport. And we'll, of course, stay on top of that story because there are uh, still parts of it to be told. I'm Dave Helling of the Star's editorial board. You've been on Deep Background.